Title of our lesson this morning, Seeking One Lost Sheep. And we'll look at Luke 15 and we'll make a comparison with Mark, the second chapter. I'll go ahead and pull up this introduction slide. Mark chapter 2, there's kind of an accusation. It's a question, but it's an accusation in reality. Luke 15, uh, Jesus makes or asks a question also, but it's more of a mission statement. And then there's three points I want us to give consideration as we take a look at these uh, contrasting passages here. There's a need for cross-training, and I'll explain that as we go along. And then, which would you rather be, a judge or a doctor? And then Jesus leaves the 99 to find you. And I hope we'll understand all that, how that applies as we uh, move down through this. Luke, the 15th chapter, I'll just kind of draw your attention there for just a moment. Jesus is going to tell a story, but it's it's more than a story, as I've mentioned there, that it's it's more like a mission statement that he's actually making there in Luke the 15th chapter in verse 4 because he asked this question he said which of you having a hundred sheep if one of them is lost won't you leave the 99 and go look for that one that's really kind of a mission statement that he is making there and over in Mark the second chapter in about verse 16 when they see Jesus eating with a certain group and associating with them they ask the question then on that occasion it's the scribes and the Pharisees why does he eat with these people? And then Jesus will go ahead and answer that in uh, chapter in verse 17. But what was really kind of taking place there what was happening is they failed to understand Jesus. And in an attempt to expose him as association, associating with sinners, so in other words, if he associates with, he eats with sinners, therefore he must be a sinner. That's what they were trying to get across. But instead, what they would do, they were actually exposing themselves and the hardness of their hearts. And how willing they were to judge these people and then to judge Jesus also. So there's those three points I want us to give consideration to as we look at this uh, this morning. There's that need for cross-training, and I'm going to explain that in just a moment here. And then which would you rather be, a doctor or a judge? And then why Jesus leaves that 99 to go find that one. So first of all, the need for cross-training. I'm going to give you a definition and then I'm going to give you kind of an illustration. The definition for cross-training is just very simply this. The action or practice of being trained in more than one roller skill to improve overall performance in one's main sport. And I emphasize that sport because that's the very first time I ever heard that phrase used, cross-training. Now here's the occasion. It was probably 40 years ago at least. And they were actually talking about NFL linemen. Linemen in the National Football League. I don't know if you've ever had the occasion to meet a lineman. I have. <laughs> or if you've watched on TV, you've heard them talk about NFL linemen. Most of them are around 6'4", 6'5", and they weigh 300 plus. Okay? These are big guys. And they were talking about cross-training. And they were saying that some of these guys were taking ballet. 
Now that conjures up images, doesn't it? <laughs> a 300 pound plus guy in a tutu? <laughs> we'll leave that alone, but. <laughs> Why were they taking ballet? The reason is for this is because ballet dancers are very light on their feet. They have very good foot or feet skills. And to be an NFL, NFL lineman, you need good footwork. And so they were doing this cross training. In Luke, the 15th chapter in verse 4, Jesus asked this question of them. Which of you having a hundred sheep and one of them is lost will not go looking? Now what we need to do is start to kind of evaluate what Jesus is saying there. They knew the concept. They knew the idea behind shepherd and we do too. That a shepherd is one who tends to sheep. But Jesus is saying not only do they tend to sheep, if one gets lost, they go after them. Now that's another set of skills. When you are just tending the sheep, you may just be watching over them. You may be guiding them, leading to them to pasture and to water. But if one gets separated, you got to go after it. And it takes different skills in order to bring them back. That staff that they carried around with them had a hook on the end of it for a reason. Because that might be the way in which they might be able to pull them free for something or lift them up in order that they might rescue that one. But it was different skills that they were applying. So in Mark the second chapter and verse 17, Jesus answers this accusation because they say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners. To paraphrase, he says, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. And I did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. So what's he saying? These people need a physician. Now, as you stop and think about this, here are the scribes and the Pharisees, and they were pretty good judges. But what Jesus is saying is, these people need a physician. That's a different skill set. So, the religious leaders, they were speaking against this group. They were speaking against Jesus. And they had judged them. So in Mark the second chapter in verse 17. And then Luke the 15th chapter in verses 5 through 7. Jesus addresses that accusation. And so I'm going to read to you verses 5 through 7. Well I'll just read all seven verses once again. Now I want you to think about this. Luke 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does he not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. So what's Jesus say? What's he want them to understand? Something that they don't perceive yet. But he wants them to understand God. He wants them to understand him. He wants them to understand his mission. And this is what this is like. There's one that's lost. And this shepherd is going to go after him. And he's going to seek them till they find them. And when he finds them, he's going to pick them up and he's going to bring them back. And when he brings them back, he's going to call together his friends and neighbors. And they are going to rejoice. Because he's back. So that's why he answers that way in Mark the second chapter also. It's not those who are well. It's not the 99. (laughs) It's that one. Needs a physician. They're sick. They don't need a judge. (laughs) They need a physician. So Jesus is wanting them to understand. I've come seeking that one that's lost. That's why I go looking. That's why I'm associated with these people. I know they're away. I know they need rescue. I know they're broken. I know they're sick. I know they need healed. So what's Jesus saying to these people? You know what you really need? (laughs) You need some cross training. (laughs) Because you only see a small part of the picture. You don't see all of it. So you ask this question, why do I associate? And he's trying to explain to him. That's the reason. Because the way you see, you see sinners. And they need to be judged. I see a lost sheep that needs to be rescued. You see someone who needs to be judged. I see the spiritually sick. They need to be healed. You see the law as a tool that separates. I see the law as a compass pointing them home. You see the law as a tool to condemn. You know how I see the law? Like an x-ray. This shows where they're broken. You ever gone to the doctor and had something broken? (laughs) Had a broken leg. Look at that x-ray. There, right there. That's that's where you're broken. (laughs) See, they just thought the law was a way to condemn people. And God was saying, no, I just want to show you where you're broken where you need to be healed. I want to show you where you're away. But I want you to point, I want to point to you how to come home. So in Mark, the second chapter in verse 16, they ask this question, really it's an accusation. 
And what they're really showing is they're excellent judges. I'm an excellent judge. Ever been an excellent judge? But see, in John, the first chapter, John says that the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law would show you where you've sinned. Law would help you to see where you're separated. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ is the rest of the story. God wants you rescued. God wants you home. If you're broken, God wants you healed. So He wants us to be more than a judge. He wants us to have eyes like a doctor. (laughs) How do you see these people? Someone to just condemn or do you see them as someone who needs healed? Someone that is away or someone that you want to help get home? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, We are fellow laborers together with God. So unless we understand all of God's plan, then how can we be fellow laborers together with Him? Jesus never said that people aren't sinners. He never said that. What He did say in Luke the 19th chapter is, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. So he certainly recognizes they're lost, but he also states why he came. (laughs) I came to rescue. I came to save. So in Luke 15 and verse 4, he asked a rhetorical question of them. Which of you, if you have a hundred sheep and one of them's gone, wouldn't you go get it? The answer, obvious answer would be, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go get it. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. And so in Mark, the second chapter, when he says it's not the healthy who need a physician, in other words, if you knew someone was sick, wouldn't you try to get them to the physician that could heal them? The answer is yes, you would. So that's what he's trying to get them to understand. They understood law. They didn't understand Jesus. They understood law. They just didn't understand how it pointed to God's grace and mercy. So they needed some cross-training. Secondly, so we asked the question, You look at these occasions and you ask, so which would you rather be? Would you rather be a judge or would you rather be a doctor? So in Luke 15 and Mark 2, there's these gospel accounts. 
And actually what they're doing is they're telling us this. This is Jesus stepping into their world. Jesus stepping into our world. This is what it looked like when Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and stepped into our world. So I want you to think about it for a moment. What's it look like when we as Christians step into the world? Matthew 5, verse 13 and 14, right? You are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so oftentimes we quote that passage and we use the illustration that salt is a preservative. And if you're going to preserve meat, it has to be rubbed into that meat. Light illuminates. And where the real benefit is found is when you take light and you put it in darkness, right? So you got to be rubbed into the world <laughs> and you got to go where it's dark. And so we ask the question, what's that look like? But we think about what Jesus did when he came. So I want you to think about this as we give consideration. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he associate with those kind of people? So it's this. Holy has to touch unholy. Clean has to touch unclean. The way unholy becomes holy is when it's touched by holiness. The way unclean becomes clean is when it's touched by that which is pure, that which is clean. So I'll ask you again. So what's that look like when you and I, salt and light, step into the world? So I'm going to give you three illustrations real quick. You think about this. This may not be literally my situation or yours, but I think we can identify it. Let's suppose you go to Starbucks every morning. I go very frequently, but let's just suppose you go every morning to Starbucks. And you notice that most every morning that you are there, there is this young lady that shows up just about the same time you show up. And oftentimes you stand in line together. You have never said a word to her. And maybe there's a reason. Because this young lady, each day when she walks in, she has dark hair. No, she doesn't just have dark hair. She has black hair. <laughs> black hair. And her attire is black. All black. And oftentimes you notice she has these like lace sleeves. And underneath those sleeves, through the lace, you can see tattoos. And her fingernails are black. And her lips are black. And she's got this piercing up here in her eyebrow. So let me ask you. You a judge? Or are you a doctor? So you go to work and there's this employee. He seems to be kind of grouchy most days. About every day, in fact. 
And you wouldn't say that he's just withdrawn because sometimes he can be very verbal. And oftentimes when he is verbal, he's kind of venting towards other employees. But you've heard that he's been through various relationships and so forth, and he has these kind of issues and all that kind of thing. People don't seem to talk with him much. And most days he eats lunch by himself. You judge? Or are you a doctor? So the company where you work, they have a summer softball league, co-ed, okay? You've been to a couple of games before in the past, and oftentimes what you observed in these co-ed softball games of the employees is that the guys come out there and they're strutting around like they're all that, and they're kind of macho and all this kind of thing, and oftentimes their language is kind of colorful, and they're trying to show off, and, and the ladies... Oftentimes their uniform looks like it belongs to their younger sister. Their younger, littler sister. <laughs> are you a judge? Or are you a doctor? And so we ask, why did Jesus Step into our world, that world. And why should we step into that world? See, because sometimes we look at that and we may see this young lady dressed in what we sometimes refer to or is referred to as like gothic. And we make judgments. But have you ever thought about what if some morning you said to her, Hey, I see you show up here every morning about the same time I do. I see you're wearing a backpack. You headed to school. You come to Starbucks. What do you get? I just get coffee. Are you more into one of those fancy drinks? Somehow you tried to step into that world. Not to judge, but with the eyes of a doctor. Is she hurt? Why does she dress like this? What about that guy at work who seems to be kind of bitter? You see him with the eyes of a judge? Just a grumpy guy? Or do you see him with the eyes of a doctor? Why does he Act like that. How about that team? And those guys who act that way and those ladies who dress that way. See them with the eyes of a judge or the eyes of a doctor? Does that macho 
try to cover insecurity does that dress seek attention because they've been rejected does all of that in any one of those categories is that a cover for what's underneath do you see it with the eyes of a judge or with the eyes of a doctor do we see choices that we wouldn't make and think that deserves to be punished or do we see hurts that God can heal and so we're willing to step into that world so why did Jesus leave the 99 to find you mark the second chapter I want to read from now in verses 13 through 16. Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea, and all the multitude came to him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened, as he was dining in Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think that's a real interesting section scripture because it's recorded by Matthew also Levi <laughs> that's Matthew and it says that he passes by the tax booth and there's Levi a tax collector but then shortly after that Levi has like this gathering in his home tax collectors. We know about them, right? <laughs> they were hated. <laughs> Oftentimes they were Jewish. Matthew was. And yet they worked for the Roman government. And oftentimes they would extract more than they should. And so the people who had to pay their taxes oftentimes hated those tax collectors. So who do you think tax collectors associated with? other people that maybe are unsavory we might say in society <laughs> and so Levi has this get together at his house and those are the kind of people that are there and Jesus is there with his disciples among them and the scribes and the Pharisees the socially upright the religious see that and they begin to ask questions make accusations and the way it's recorded there Jesus they don't say it directly to him but he overhears this. So that's when he replies to them. 
It's not those who are healthy or those who are well that need a physician, but those who are sick. You need to understand. You see this with the eyes of a judge, but you need to see this with the eyes of a physician, with a doctor. So, here's the religious elite, so to speak. And they judge this group and they judge Jesus. And they ask this question, making an accusation. And we've got to keep in mind also, not only did they want to keep the law and they were striving to keep the law to the nth degree, they also added things to the law and decided for other people how it is that they should keep the law, how it is that they should serve God, and if you didn't serve God the way that they thought you should serve God, then they would judge you. And then they would put you into this category. And anybody that associated with you, they would put in that category and they would judge you and then you'd just all be lumped together and that's sinners and why would you associate with those people? It was kind of horrifying to them, disgusting, to see Jesus, a rabbi, associating with these people. So the response was to ask questions that would make accusations against him. And Jesus answers. And in essence, what Jesus is saying is, it makes just as much sense for me to stay away from them as it would for a doctor to stay away from people who are sick. Have you ever noticed that? Doctors and nurses, the people they associate with? <laughs> sick people. There's a reason for that. And that's what Jesus is saying. And that's why I say I think it's interesting in that context there. He called Levi. He called Matthew. Matthew then has a gathering at his house. And Jesus with his disciples goes and associates with them. So I want to give you a couple of other quick illustrations to think about along these lines. Luke the 8th chapter. It's towards the end of the day. He's on the western side of Galilee. He tells his disciples, let's go to Decapolis. The area of the Gadarenes. That's over on the eastern side of Galilee. It's late in the day. And so they all get in the boat... And they start to go for the other side. And a storm comes up. We remember this, right? And the disciples, because Jesus is sleeping, they are afraid that they are going to perish. And they go and they wake Him up. Master, Master, we're about to perish. I'm sure by this time, they've probably already decided, I knew this was a bad idea. When he told us to get in the boat. 
It's nighttime. We're heading out on this lake. And why, oh why, are we headed to Decapolis? You know who's over there? That's on the eastern side. A lot of non-Jews over there. A lot of pagans over there. And he wants us to get in the boat at nighttime and head for the eastern side of Galilee. And now we've got this storm. Wake him up. We're about to perish. And Jesus wakes and he calms the storm. And he asks them, where's your faith? You know what just happened? They may not have realized it at the time, but I'll tell you what just happened. There was a little cross training going on right there. You know what Jesus wanted them to see? I rescue people. Just like you just got rescued. And you know what happens when they get to the eastern side of the shore? You know who comes out to meet them? First person they run into is this guy who is out of his mind and he runs around naked and he calls himself Legion. And Jesus casts those demons out of him. And then later there are those who come back and they see him sitting in his right mind and clothed. Why'd Jesus go over there? That one guy. Remember John the fourth chapter? Jesus is in the southern part of the country and he wants to go back to the northern part of the country and he says, I must needs, John 4, go through Samaria. That would not have been the disciples' choice. They would have gone around Samaria. But we remember the story, right? John, the fourth chapter, and Jesus encounters this woman at the well and she's coming there in the middle of the day to get water. Here is a woman who is outcast among people who are considered to be outcasts. <laughs> and Jesus sits there and asks her for a drink, and she said, How is this that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink of water? And what's Jesus say? <laughs> if you knew who it was who spoke to you, we would have been asking me. And I would have given you living water. And so ensues the conversation where he tells her about her life she becomes convinced that he is the Messiah. And she goes back to town and tells everybody about this. Her life was changed right there by that well. I got to go through Samaria. Why? That one woman. I want to read to you, and I'm going to close with this from Matthew, the ninth chapter. Because once again, it's like sometimes I look at the scriptures and I'm just kind of astounded by the way in which they are recorded. 
and who records them. And so Matthew, the ninth chapter, verses 9 through 13, this is the Gospel of Matthew, so we know who writes this, right? And who is Matthew writing about in Matthew, the ninth chapter, verses 9 through 13? Himself. Himself. Matthew 9, and beginning at verse 9. As Jesus passed by, uh, passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know what I say? I do not desire sacrifice, but mercy. Did God ever require sacrifice? Yeah, He did. But that wasn't what He was really after, was it? What He wanted to do was show mercy. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You understand the part about the law... You're really good at being a judge. (laughs) But can you see with the eyes of a doctor? Can you see where people are broken? Can you see where people need healed? Can you see why I came? Can you see why I sit with tax collectors and sinners? Can you see why I go searching, seeking for that lost one? So Matthew records this. He records when he was called. When he was rescued. When he was found. And he says, Follow me. Matthew was a Jew. You think he knew anything about law? You think he knew anything about judging? Do you think he knew anything about being judged? I think so. Jesus is saying, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I'll teach you how to see. I'll teach you how to use the law. I'll teach you about mercy, grace. You just need a little cross training. That's what you need. So why does Jesus come looking? Because he's seeking that lost sheep. And so what he would want us to know from all this is if we ever feel lost and away, 
Rest assured, <laughs> he's looking for you. He's coming for you. And he'll go to any lengths to step into our world to rescue, to find us. And his law shows where we are away. But through grace, love, mercy, he's come to rescue, he's come to heal. He comes to bring us home. And when he does, he said then that we rejoice in him. So, seeking one lost sheep. Luke 15 and Mark 2. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. As always, if there's anything we can do to assist you in making your relationship right with the Lord, that's what we're here for. That's what we desire to do. And the invitation's yours while we stand, while we sing.